1: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Buffalo Bills-themed podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, as of course I always am being joined on this episode by Jamie D'Amico. We are here to ah, serve as therapists as the Buffalo Bills Jamie, they suffered a very, just a disheartening, deflating, and defeating loss uh, to those Miami Dolphins, 21-19 on Sunday in Week 3, snapping Buffalo's seven-game win streak against the
0: Fish. That was a tough pill to swallow. It really was, wasn't it? You know, they were so close. They had opportunities and just couldn't pull it out.
1: You know, I feel like, and and we're going to dive into some of the X's and O's and some of the key Factors to the game, but one of the parallels that I thought was apt uh, from yesterday's game, and you know how, um, you know, Bills fans, I mean, there was so much buildup for this game, but it felt like it meant more for the Dolphins to get the win than it did for the Bills, given that Miami is still the new kid on the block trying to establish themselves, and the Bills are two-time defending uh, divisional champions. This game had a lot of eerie similarities to the wind swept fiasco in Monday night last year against the Patriots when Buffalo was clearly the better team, but made so many mistakes and so many mental miscues that came back to bite him in the butt. What do you think about that comparison? I
0: I think that the comparison is pretty apt um, with one additional element being the injuries that that were happening. And it was both teams. I know the Bills lost a lot of players during the game, but Miami had guys coming in and out too. It is what they call a home field advantage. And while the Bills were playing at home in that game, they were on the road for this one. Maybe that made a little bit of a difference.
1: When you factor in the walking wounded, at one point, the Bills started the game with without any of their all-pro safeties, Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer, They were missing both of their starting corners from last year, well, technically last year and this year with Trey White, who's still on the PUP list, and Dane Jackson, who thankfully is recovering from that scary neck injury suffered against the Titans on Monday Night Football. They were missing two key members of their defensive line in Jordan Phillips and Ed Oliver. That's six starters they were without. At one point, Jamie, I could have sworn I saw House Ballard and John Fina lining up on the offensive <laughs> line with the way the old linemen were dropping like flies. Right.
0: And, you know, it's interesting because Buffalo had problems with with the Heat, and that was very clear. But also other injuries dropped in. But here's the, here's the thing I want to be very clear about. The Bills didn't lose this game because of their injuries. They— lost this game because they failed to execute at some opportune times. So I... I Agreed. I don't want to hear the, well, they were missing. Every team is missing key players at some point in the season. You have to plan for it. This was the Bills' turn. They've been unbelievably healthy the past few years. You and I said, year after year, John, that at some point the Bills were going to regress to the mean when it came to injuries. We did not expect it to all happen in week three of the 2022 NFL season.
1: It was just a a, a perfect storm of, of ailments, you know, the Bills were suffering from. And then you look at the guys who even did play, yeah, losing, you know, Spencer Brown, losing Ryan Bates, which could be a pretty serious injury losing Greg Van Roten on the offensive line, having Stefan Diggs be cramping up consistently, having McKenzie, Isaiah McKenzie, be in a limited capacity, Dawson Knox and Gabe Davis. I mean, the degree of difficulty for the Bills on Sunday was exponential with all of these injuries and all of the, the heat, the way it was impacting Buffalo. But I don't, want, I don't want to play the excuse game. I'm not blaming this loss, like you said. I'm not blaming it on the injuries, and I'm certainly not blaming it On the officials, it's easy, Mm -hmm. low hanging fruit to say the refs cost the bills this game. No, the bills cost themselves this game. Look at the fact of the poor clock management at the end of the first half. And now I didn't realize at the time until a wiser person uh, educated me. But as soon as Josh Allen fumbled that snap before the half, he could not spike the ball to kill the clock. It would have been intentional grounding, a loss of downs and a runoff on the clock. So that explains that crazy play where he just heaves up to digs on the sideline and they can't get another playoff. But you factor in that play right there, the missed chip shot field goal for Mr. Automatic, Tyler Bass, the should have secured the touchdown pass from Gabe Davis in the corner of the end zone. Although, give the Dolphins corner credit, he did get a hand on it towards the end. Mm -hmm. But Davis never drops those touchdown passes. No. He drops that one. And then the Bills have three cracks to get it in from the one-yard line before the fourth down pass that Josh Allen skipped well short of Isaiah McKenzie. There were so many chances the Bills left on the field the other day.
0: I believe that Joe Buscalia goes through it and points out that the Bills left 30 points on the field. And when you see things happening, like the sure touchdown on fourth and one from the one-yard line or two-yard line to Isaiah McKenzie, that Josh Allen managed to bounce two yards short, I mean, that that is the game winner right there. Or stopping, you know, making a bigger stop. The Bills didn't have a terrible time getting the Miami Dolphins offense off the field, but the Dolphins did have a couple of long drives that made a difference. The one that really stands out to me, though, is the one that I already mentioned. That throw from Josh Allen that he threw into the ground, I don't know what he did on that one. That's a throw that he makes 10 out of 10 times and then didn't.
1: I think I don't want to be... um Dr. Bacchasino speculating here on the podcast, but after the game, when Josh went into the x ray uh, with the team doctors and said his hand was hurting, I mean, he threw the ball, what, 61 times. And he said at one point, his hand smacked up against either a helmet or another thick part of a Miami Dolphin that caused him some pain and some consternation, mm. that's the only thing I can think of because as soon as Josh releases that throw, he went to the ground, he had his head held in his hands, and was in despair that he missed the opportunity. But I'm not going to pin that one on, on Josh Allen. I mean, his heroics of throwing for 400 yards and two touchdowns and keeping this team in the game – That really, their offense, there's no way that, you're right, the Bills left, according to Joe Biscaglia, they left 27 points on the board out there. This is not on Josh. They should have done a better job with the play calling, first and goal, second and goal, third and goal, to not have it come down to a fourth down play.
0: Well, that's true. Um, But also, the play calling looks a lot better if the Bills can run the ball, which they couldn't at all in that game.
1: So why don't they – here's a question for you, Jamie. Going off that point and besides the really long Zach Moss run, which I was amazed at the confusion the referees had when they kept spotting it (laughs) anywhere from the 32 to the 38. There was such a wild swing in where that ball should have been placed. But if you're down at the goal line and you know that the team has to respect – Josh Allen running the ball, I don't understand the first down play call where he basically does a really stupid, like the, no one was buying the fake that he was going to hand off. Why not actually hand the ball off to Singletary or Moss on a draw up the middle when you know that the entire team thinks on the Dolphin side that Josh is going to be the one trying to bang this one in?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a good thought. I thought that Allen made a really smart play by extending the play with his legs and then throwing it away when nothing was there. I I thought that was good, Josh. Um, But you know, there was that. And then there were a few other decisions that were made that I wasn't entirely sure about when it came to, are you throwing it short? Are you trying to hold it and throw it long? And when the running game wasn't working, they were still trying it at different points. Did they give up on the run too early? Is it possible that in that uh, for, or in that goal to go situation that the Miami defense was gassed because they were on the field all day? Could the Bills have gotten a better push?
1: And that's kind of my thought process. I mean, even with the third string or the the backups of the backups on the offensive line, when you're on the field for 40 plus minutes, the Dolphins were gassed in that conditions that were extremely humid and hot. They were saying it was more than 110 degrees field level. People were passing out left and right. There was heat exhaustion and cramping going on. I just felt like the Bills had the Dolphins on the ropes. And that's why I agree with you. The Bills They're the ones who lost this game more than the Dolphins won it. You know The the one play, though, that I feel like as much as we've run through some of the the scenarios where Buffalo squandered their chances, I think the biggest regret, if you talk to one of the Bills' players besides Josh short-arming Isaiah McKenzie in the end zone, is the god-awful third and 22 to Jalen Waddle, where he literally just ran down a seam, cut towards the center of field on a post route, and was basically... He could have. I mean, you saw that play coming a mile away, and the Bills just still could do nothing to get him. Why was Buffalo only bringing three to get after Tua on a third and twenty-two? You got to bring more pressure so that Jalen Waddle can't run down the seam and get wide open for an easy conversion. on, again, a third and twenty-two. For
0: the most part, that was the only big play that the Bills gave up. They gave. They had two. To Jalen Waddle that they gave up, one was uh, a, a big pass down the near sideline on Miami's final scoring drive. So i I'm looking at this, and I'm saying that it wasn't all that bad. I I don't have, I guess, where I'm going with this is I don't have major issues. I, it, we tend to overreact to every loss, and we know that they're not going to go undefeated. The Dolphins played a good game. They had a good game plan. They took away everything deep on offense. The Bills had a good defensive game plan, too. When you consider the receivers that they have, nothing really got behind them against a secondary of the Bills that is incredibly inexperienced. I think when you're playing the Dolphins, you're going to give up your big plays. But I don't think I'm ready to... I don't think I'm ready to look at it on that level and say, you know, that is the play that I'm sure was the backbreaker because the Dolphins ended up going ahead at that point. Um, But to that point, there hadn't been very many big plays and it's almost like the, the Dolphins were due. When you see what they did the week before, I think the Bills did pretty well in keeping everything in front of them.
1: And I think that you're right when it comes to the perspective. I mean, again, for what does it take for the Dolphins to win this game? It took Buffalo being down – I mean, they lost Christian Benford to apparently a fractured hand, another blow to a depleted secondary. The Bills were banged up left and right, and yet in spite of all of that – after the beautiful butt punt oh my <laughs> into the back of the dolphin 's uh, snapper on the punt, which was an absolutely beautiful thing of glory not for the bills to get the ball back on a safety, after all that didn 't go in buffalo 's favor after all of the missed opportunities leaving twenty seven points on the scoreboard. Buffalo still had the ball with a chance to win and drive into game-winning field goal range for Tyler Bass. So I am not worried in any way, shape, or form long-term about the future of the Buffalo Bills. I just feel like – I don't know. It's not the end of the world that Buffalo lost this game because, again, they're the ones that lost it more so than Miami winning it in in my very humble opinion. Well, that's kind of where I was
0: going with this. And the issues that I have with the team – I'm not worried specifically about losing to Miami. What I am worried about is the reoccurrence of some long-term issues that the Bills had in that game against the Dolphins that could hold them back. Let me let me play mind
1: reader, Jamie. I'm going to pick two in particular that I want to talk about that I think you want to talk about here on Believe. And yes. it's going to piggyback off of a column that ran on a certain Buffalo publication, uh, not Buffalo Rumblings but was talking about the lack of composure that the Bills have in big-time games and the fact that Buffalo has now lost either seven or eight one-score games in a row. And that is a very troubling trend to you, Jamie. Put on your you know Buffalo Bills uh, analyst hat here. How concerned should the Bills fans be about the fact that the Bills have a hard time, it seems, in
0: these one-score games? Well, that that is an issue because there's a number of things that go into it. It's clock management, it's composure, it's play calling. It all kind of comes to be mixed into one. The players are in charge of their own composure. The coaches are in charge of play calling and clock management. And we have seen repeatedly that there have been problems with all of those things. Now, against the Dolphins... I don't think that there was any major clock snafus. Even though the Bills ran out of time, that was probably the result of a playmaker trying to make a play and not quite getting there. The Bills basically fell three seconds short of kicking a field goal. But we do have issues with players keeping their composure, trying to do too much, as we saw there. Getting hot headed. Do you remember the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago when the Bills were like basically trying to brawl with the Chiefs? The Chiefs got them to completely lose their minds on the field. You can't have that. Josh Allen ripping off a defensive lineman's helmet. You can't have that. I don't care if the guy was trying to hit him in the nuts. Don't get a penalty called on you.
1: Well, it's the old adage out there. They're not going to call it on the first guy. They're going to call it on the last guy who gets caught by the officials. And that's where Josh Allen was guilty of being not level-headed with his emotions. It cost the Bills, you know, 15 yards. And it's not really the first time that Buffalo has had one of those back-breaking penalties. So I get it. I mean, I feel like the thing that bothers me and the composure part also does come down to play calling in the fact that with all these weapons that the Bills have, there is no reason they should be so inept on third and one or fourth and one. And that's something that I think the Bills have to really work on shoring up because the good teams find ways to convert those short yardage situations. And the Bills have not been doing that.
0: They haven't. And to me, that comes down to being able to run the ball because that just has not been that that has not been a threat to the opposing defenses unless Josh Allen keeps it himself. And frankly, I do not want Josh Allen being my leading rusher.
1: He and I think there was a very in a very small dose. I think there's a silver lining to the ground game and it's not Zach Moss breaking off the 43 yarder. Although I will give him credit for the fact that he tiptoed down the sidelines. I think that is such a fluky anomaly of a run. But I'm right, talking yes. about James Cook, what the rookie from Georgia, again, in very small doses, he is the one who to me shows the most potential when he hangs onto the ball for being elusive and being hard to bring down. I know Devin Singletary had one or two nice plays on third down as well to convert the down into a Mm -hmm. first, but that was more out of like the backfield. I think James cook has a power to really be someone who makes the opponents fear the run game based on that home run
0: breakability
1: threat that he's got.
0: I agree with that. Now I'm a little nervous about his ball security because of how his career started He doesn't have the best vision. He has great speed though. So that is something that I am looking for Ken Dorsey to scheme for him. You can scheme him open and it appears that that is something that the Bills have tried to do a little bit of. And I think that we're going to see more of it. Now, the Bills put up 500 yards of offense and barely ran the ball. It's not how you want it. If they're going to get that... They're going to put up that kind of yardage. You want a lot of it to come on the ground. Forty minutes of time of possession, and they do. It, they did it by throwing sixty times. Are you kidding me? But in the meantime, yes, I think that there is a place in this offense for James Cook, and others disagree.
1: Yeah, I think I would give the kid a shot. And here's the, the, the point you made earlier, Jamie, about accumulating 497 yards of offense while giving up 212 that's a plus 285 differential the highest since the rams did the same thing against the dolphins in 2020 i feel like on a day where your players are dropping like flies due to the humidity and the hot weather conditions somebody's got to get a hold of ken dorsey and the offense and be like hey look, we know your offense can put up video game numbers with the passing game, but this is not the day for 18 or 20 play drives that are going to be burning out your offense just as much as it's making the defense go through the heat exhaustion as well. I thought that the Bills were a little too efficient with some of their drives yesterday.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Um, Yeah, I, I can agree with that.
1: I mean, and I'm not saying that like, the solution is to run the no huddle offense and the K gun and push it up and down the field. But like, I don't know, knowing that your, your guys are falling and knowing that you're down to your third string offensive line, maybe you do some things differently where, you know, you take a couple. I don't the Bills didn't take a lot of shots with the passing game in the second half, especially, and that's with a banged up Xavier and Howard. I know Diggs is out and Kumara was out and the guys were a little bit banged up there for the Bills playmakers on offense, but maybe take some shots and try to shorten those drives versus elongating them.
0: I understand that. I do think that Miami was probably doing a very good job, good job of taking the deep throws away. And If that's what it's going to take, then okay. you know, the Bills are going to have to march down the field. I mean, you can only you can only take what the defense gives you, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's the old adage out there. And, you know, I felt like and even on like the last play of the game or the eventual last play of the game, you know, when McKenzie gets stopped short, like I know a lot of people are making a big deal out of a couple of things that I feel are too nitpicky. They're. Mm They're making a big deal out of McKenzie not going directly out of bounds. Well, if he does go directly out of bounds, best case scenario, the Bills are looking at a 59-yard field goal for Tyler Bass, who I don't believe has ever made a kick of that length. So Mm, right. right then and there, like we can't pin this loss on Bass or on McKenzie. It was all in the moments leading up to that where buffalo again when you squander 27 points when you leave 27 points on the on the field in a game that's a 21-19 margin of victory you can't blame Bass or McKenzie i mean the bills just let this one get through their hands and I'm saying this, Jamie. I know how passionate Bills fans are. Look, Bills Twitter is a glorious place when they win and a hideous place when they lose because there's a lot of negativity and a lot of stressing out. Listen to us very carefully. As Jamie and I have said a couple of times now, the Bills fans,
0: relax. It's not the end of the world. I agree with you so hard on this. So hard. <laughs> it's it's really not. Uh, I, I understand that Dolphins fans are annoying. Don't worry about it. Sorry. Right. Don't worry about
1: it at all. This was really like their Super Bowl early on. That's how much they needed this game more than Buffalo did.
0: The Bills are playing a good Ravens team this upcoming Sunday. And you know what? They may not win that one either, but it's going to be okay. When When all is said and done, the Bills will be the last team standing in the AFC East.
1: And that's something, you're right, did not change at all. The Dolphins now have an upper hand in the AFC East, but Buffalo has a chance, many chances, to run that back and close the gap. But I think, Jamie, you mentioned the, the biggest thing of all moving forward is the Bills have some real legitimate injury concerns for the first time in probably yes. three years. I wonder if Sean McDermott or Brandon Bean is going to reach out to our boy Joe Hayden and try to bring a veteran reinforcement in because with Christian Benford having the fractured hand, now you're talking about, I mean, the Bills basically have three healthy corners on the roster. They've got to find some way to bring in a veteran to stabilize this position because did you see what Lamar Jackson did yesterday? I mean, he is going to be Tough to contain. And I thought the Bills' rookies did a really good job in limiting Tua and Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. It's a whole new challenge, though, with Lamar Jackson under center.
0: Oh, absolutely. You can't just drop back. You can't just pass rush. He makes everything a big pain in the ass. Now, I uh, hate to tell you this, but I saw an interview with Joe Hayden today. He said he's done. Done playing. Really? Mm-hmm. He said after getting a taste of, he said, working out hard, uh, but after got a taste of doing things like taking his kids to school, and he said he just wants to be with his family now.
1: Well, then in that case, they're not going to go after him, and maybe it's Janoris, Jackrabbit, Jenkins, or...
0: Oh, yeah, that guy. Out there. <laughs> it's going to be someone, though. I I don't know how you're going to be able to... I don't know how you're going to be able to put a roster on the field with the number of injuries they have somebody is going to get sent to the, uh, to the injured reserve that shouldn't be there, but it's the only way they're going to be able to manage the roster.
1: Yeah. There are way too many holes and way too many areas of deficiencies that Buffalo needs to go after and try to find someone to shore up the back end of the secondary Jamie, it was a crazy game. It was a crazy swing. You know, the fact that the Bills even had a chance to win that game after, again, the butt punt sets up the safety and the Bills get a last gasp effort and they just couldn't come up with the points. Um, it's frustrating. It's disheartening. But we knew this team was not going to go seventeen and zero. There's going to be blips along the way, and hopefully, they're able to learn something from this to make some veteran moves. I mean, they could bring in a guy like a Josh Thomas, uh, who was on the practice squad for the Bills the last two years. Uh, I guess he, I think he's on the Cardinals practice squad. He knows the system, he could fit in there and slide in. And at this point, you're looking for capable bodies. Not, no, You're not going to find all pro or pro bowl talent. You need guys who can step in, who know the system, and can contribute. And I think Josh Thomas might be a logical place to look.
0: I think so. He is a safety, but they need depth wherever they can get it. Right now, they're looking at Cam Lewis backing up. And, well, you know, let's <laughs> just leave it at that, I guess. I mean, we'll take anybody we can get at this
1: point, Jamie, because the Bills are just banged up and bombed up and depleted right now with the lack of healthy players. And uh, that bye week can't come soon enough to get a lot of these guys healthy uh, out there. But as long as Josh Allen is healthy and under center, the Bills have a chance to win every single game they play. And, you know, I felt like you feel bad for Josh because he he wanted this game so badly like he does every single time he suits up and watching him hug Tua, you could just see afterwards this release of like energy where it's like, I did everything I could and I tip my hat to you. Your team was the better team today.
0: Yeah, to me, it just, it looked like he didn't have enough energy to even hold his head up anymore. And Tua was giving him a nice snuggle.
1: (laughs) Now, maybe we can blame some of that on Tua for the concussion, which I still don't understand. Even they say it was a back injury, I call BS on that. I don't know how Tua was cleared to come back and play in that game after the woozy, wobbly steps he took after Milano knocked
0: him down. That was was weird.
1: Anything else, Jamie, you want to hit on for our, our recap here? I know it's been kind of a cathartic experience, hopefully talking about the 21 to 19 loss for the Buffalo Bills. But anything else you want to hit on?
0: No, man, I feel better now. Thank you. I needed to get some of that out of my system. The the sky is
1: not falling. The end is not near. This is still a very talented, if not the most it's still they're still the best team in the AFC. I mean the Colts beat the Chiefs yesterday. Patrick Mahomes vomited all over himself on the field Not literally, of course, but with his play in the second half, he was a train wreck and they lost to the previous dumpster fire known as Indianapolis Colts. Russell Mm -hmm. Wilson and the Broncos barely got past uh, Jimmy G sidestepping out of the end zone for a safety, and the San Francisco 49ers, um, the Raiders lost to the Titans. You know, there's so much parody that Bills fans, these games happen. Let's just regroup together and get ready for next week when the Bills travel to Baltimore for a stifling test against the Baltimore Ravens. Jamie, keep your head up, buddy. Thank you.
0: I appreciate
1: it. And we want you to get involved with us on social media. Tell us your concerns. Tell us if you think that we're off our rockers and the Bills fans should be concerned or whether you agree with us that this is just one game in the standings. Jamie is at Twitter at the Jamie D'Amico and I am at John Bacasino We would love to hear your feedback both on social media and on BuffaloRumblings.com when this article posts. Thank you so so much, Jamie, for coming on the podcast and giving us your analysis of the Week 3 loss. Thank you for the listeners for checking out our podcast. We are going to sign off on this week's episode of Believe and Be Back previewing the Baltimore Ravens in Week 4. It's Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast.
0: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of.